1: Let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans.
2: All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast. We're back with another week about arguing about stuff and finding out what's better. I'm the man they call Dave. We got AJ Strange Brew, easy for me to say. And today, we are looking at who was the greatest interview. Out of these two gentlemen we're talking about, too, we're talking about guys. It don't get no better than this. I'll be taking Iron Anderson, double A, the Four Horsemen's Enforcer, and AJ's got oh, Jake the Snake Roberts. AJ? <clears throat> Years, first, all,
1: first of all Dave you, you butchered the name it's wrestling it's arguing over wrestling shit <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry se-
1: se- secondly,
2: <laughs> still a work in progress here
1: <laughs> <laughs> se- secondly this is going to be a tough one this would have been an easy one to me if it was career versus career hmm. or um, the two toughest w- things that we could argue with Iron Anderson and with Jake the Snake Roberts are Mike skills and your promo yeah and then who has the better DDT <laughs> Yeah <laughs> yeah, And that's just Whether you like The quick style Or if you like The actual Slow methodical Release
2: Quick sidebar I actually like Iron's DDT better Although Jake I actually like Jake's better Jake got over more To be fair yeah. Jake was the originator And more people When Jake hit you With the DDT It was over
1: well, well, the funny I, yeah. thing is, Jake's, when he first started doing it, if you watch Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, hmm. his looked more like Iron's. He did it more slow, deliberate, mm-hmm. and then as he got to the WWE, he turned it in with that short arm and was able to actually snap it off of anywhere.
2: And it was actually an accident, how he discovered it. Like, they had fallen down during a match, and he had him like, in a face lock. And Iron actually blatantly admits that he ripped his DDT off of Jake the Snake.
1: Whereas Iron did invent the spinebuster.
2: Oh, I did not know that. I believe that. That's the first guy I ever saw use it.
1: Yeah, he actually takes credit for it. You know, Iron doesn't take credit for anything. Yeah. And he he takes credit. He says, I invented the spine buster. Oh, yeah. So
2: That's pretty cool. All right, so tell me why you think Jake the Snake is the better interview.
1: Okay, so anybody who's ever watched a promo of mine, and you can check those out on YouTube anytime (laughs) you like. Cheap plug. (laughs) Yeah, uh, cheap plug segment filled in right there. (laughs) Don't forget Working Fans Podcast, YouTube. (laughs) But... Anybody who's ever watched one of my promos, you know this is my real personality. This is who I am. My promos are very slow, deliberate. I like to feel the emotion coming through you, and I'm not a big fan of like the Ultimate Warrior, the screaming, rah, 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 which I'm pretty sure is every inter- uh, every promo is ever done. One of the all time greats, <laughs> yeah, uh, Hall of Famer. However, when it comes to promos, <coughs> to me when I was a kid. I wasn't scared by anybody's promos. I wasn't scared by The Undertaker. I wasn't scared by Andre the Giant. I wasn't scared by Brian Adidas and his thumb. (laughs) That was scary. (laughs) Not many people know about that scary thumb. I was. (laughs) However, terrified of Jake the Snake Roberts for two reasons. One, little known fact about AJ Strange Brew, I hate snakes. Mm. Two, (laughs) he looked like he was looking into that lens, staring into your soul and talking directly to you in that maniacal, might be a serial killer style of interview. Mm. And how about you, Dave?
2: Ah, man, it's a real tough one to call. I love both these guys' interviews. Before I even get into Iron, yeah, Jake had just a very menacing tone, just the way he talks. He didn't have to raise his voice, like you said. You know, Iron was great at that. um, Iron was great at having those, like, quotes, you know? Like, I ain't saying... You know, we're not one to toot our own horns, but toot, toot. You know.
1: Okay, first of all, without Iron Anderson's interviews and without his quotes, we wouldn't even have the Four Horsemen.
2: Right, right, right. Because he was the one who <laughs> mentioned the Four Horsemen first. I'm going to take us to Scott again, like I've been doing in these segments, because he killed our
1: ki- roving, our roving reporters. He's been the
2: hardest soul of this segment so Love far. The guy. I don't know if he's going to keep it up. but He killed it. I'm all just right.
1: hoping at some point he agrees with me.
2: You're going to, you're going to get, you're going to be happy today. <laughs> Tough one, but I'm saying Jake the Snake. He was so captivating. It was the tone, the volume, the feel—like he was pulling you into that TV whenever he spoke. His promos felt cryptic. It was like he could make these veiled threats to his opponents, and they all came off like riddles, and they left you wondering. He always felt like he was speaking right at you, kind of like you said. And and he had the intensity in his face without ever raising his voice those promos could sometimes haunt you especially as a young kid (laughs) I can't take anything away from Iron he was fantastic because he was clear in his message and he knew exactly how it needed to be said better than most could say it like you could give the entire locker room bullet points on the same promo and he could find all the right words to make his promo next level he had a lot of range and he made you believe every word he said such a tough call so at the end he did Lean towards Joe, um, Joe, (laughs) Jake the Snake. (laughs) I am gonna get Joe's on this too. Uh, Um, I
1: would like to point out, for the record, I did not write that for Scott just because it was almost exactly what I said. (laughs) I had nothing to do with that. He's a free-thinking man.
2: Joe wrote his on work, so it's a little quicker, but Joe also went in with Jake the Snake. He said, while Iron is a world-class interview, Jake is another level. Even his messed-up promos are better than some guys today. Here's the thing. I, I'm going to break up the format a little bit before I tell you who I think actually is a better promo. I'm going to go to the votes on this one. I'm going to tell you what we're doing. All right? Because we have, we've been having eight people decide on this. It's a tie. It was a
1: why would, you, why would you have eight people? <laughs> why would I was, you not have an odd number? <laughs> I
2: didn't really... You know what? It didn't come into play until this one. <laughs> but here's the thing. At the end of the day, all right, tiebreaker, I'm going to concede. I'm going to give it to Jake the Snake. This will be where wow. I concede. It wow. is close, folks. We were talking about, like... And I want to talk, like, Jesse brought up a good point when he messaged me. Jesse from New Hampshire. He picked Iron... But when he picked Iron, he said because of the Four Horsemen promos. All right? Yeah, I so, get that. I get that too. And I think at the end of the day, Iron's a great promo, but Jake is just, I don't know, man. It's just something about him it was another level. And maybe it's because he was more of a main event guy. And Iron was always kind of, whether you like it or not, in that shadow, a little bit of Ric Flair and a tag wrestler. So. <laughs>
1: well, it- in one of the past ones, we talked about the fact that when we are talking about Brent Perfect, we talked about people who didn't hold titles, whose careers sure. were still absolutely huge, and Jake Snake, like Rowdy Piper, fits into that mold. Totally does. He, and he was one of those people you didn't have to put a belt on. That being said, I do want to talk about one promo in particular, just to stand up for Iron for one second, and I know, obviously, I do believe Jake the Snake Roberts was a better all-around interview just because of the style I said but I still to this day cannot watch the retirement promo Oh yeah, without, without getting teary-eyed. Yeah, and, yes,
2: yes. and,
1: and that was what both of these guys were able to do, where they were able to draw you in and make you feel emotion, whether you wanted to feel it or not. Whether it was, and both of them spent most of their career as bad guys. Yeah. So most of them were able to make you feel hatred that even though you respected their wrestling ability and wanted to cheer for them, most most of both of them were able to get you to hate them enough to cheer against them, and both still do to this day. In AEW, Jake Roberts and Iron Anderson... Still cut the best both, promos. They have both stolen the show Yeah, on different shows and absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, you got to give credit to these two legendary Hall of Fame performers.
2: Yeah, and Jake, too, credit to him, too. Like
1: The era he
2: was in WWF at the time was almost cartoonish. And he yeah. stood out as something different. And he stood out as something like, this is intensity.
1: And if you don't believe it was cartoonish, he was actually on the WWE cartoon that they had there for a little while. They actually had him as a character on that
2: show. Uh, I don't remember that for sure, but that's fine. He, uh, he was definitely, he had the snake, and he was on all the toys and everything, and they tried to make him cartoonish, but this was a guy who ended up, they would never do this now, but I believe slapping Miss Elizabeth on the Tuesday oh, yeah. night. Attack. Yeah, right, right. So, had a cobra beat, <laughs> bite Randy Savage's arm.
1: How, how good of a wrestler do you have to be to get Randy Savage to trust you to slap Elizabeth?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Randy, uh, on the other hand, Randy was not cool with that cobra biting him. <laughs> Jake tells a story on a podcast and Randy made sure that that cobra bit Jake. <laughs> Randy wanted to make sure there was no venom in the cobra. didn't trust for, Jake. <laughs>
1: for, first of all, who would be cool with a cobra biting them?
2: Jake was not, but he did it. <laughs> Jake, Jake also of... riled up that cobra right before it bit Randy. has a receipt for that, by the way. If uh, you actually I... look at it, you can. she points it out. He's smacking the cobra in the face, and then he puts yeah. it on Randy's arm.
1: Yeah. I've heard multiple um, interviews with Jake where he's not overly comfortable with snakes. So, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, you got used to him, but wow.
1: Well, that's going to be it
2: for this week. At the end of the day, I ended up changing my mind. We also learned that we need to get more fans voting, but <laughs> we need we need a, or at least an odd. We num- need an odd number, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, but one of the things that we appreciate though is we appreciate you tuning in and listening to us debate these topics. We are working on a title, so if you do like. Hey, arguing wrestling shit or something like that, please let us know yeah. so that we can uh, make that title for you. Yeah, once, give us the ideas. And, yeah, and once again, thank you for tuning in and thank you for being snake bit with us.
2: All right, we're out. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today we got a professional wrestler, former Ring of Honor star, current NWA star, and two time, two time guest, Mr. Sal, Renaro Sal. Thank you for coming back and being our first two time guest actually.
3: Before we even hit that, how often do you get uh, he's a man called a <laughs> You know,
2: what's funny. I'm gonna tell you right now. First off, I love that callback. Secondly, we were joking around because my producer he doesn't like to like give our last names out, and have a very generic name. And he was like, "What could you do?" And I just hit. it was like, "The man they call Dave." I was thinking Vader, but AJ, AJ who was also on the show, uh, our other goes, he did the same thing you did. He said, "Man, call." Dave. Oh. Oh.
3: Wait do you and He six I don't The Raw Bowl is the episode of Raw, where oh. Peter the shoot those things because jumping on the trampoline. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and And I was like, what else did they him? That's it. Just- <laughs> Yeah. Uh,
2: I was thinking the same thing. I remember, um, because they would always change the name, but they didn't quite change his name, and I'm like, they just they can't call him Big Van, apparently. <laughs> you know? Apparently,
3: you have to the but that's another story for another day. Uh, anyway, back to the first two time test, uh, Before anybody else does, uh, I did a whole thing at the really Wild Time in 01 and 02, where I was the, the two-time best-to-beer rookie of the year, which is as absolutely
2: absurd as it sounds. So, glad I can carry on the tradition into another generation of wrestling fans. It does happen now. I think I just saw something where Brian Pillman Jr. just got that, too. I forget how. He- nice, nice.
3: Yeah, it's actually I was probably already three years in the business. And they put me on the the year poll. And in my brain, I was just like, well, it's my first year at Wildside. That makes sense. And somehow I won. And as soon as I won, I went to the guys in charge. I went to Bill and Rick, and I was like, "Hey, I need to win this again next year. And Bill was like, that's ridiculous. He came back to a time working year. I was like, well, that's the whole point. (laughs) And <laughs> he <laughs> completely buried me for it. Just like, dude, no way, not gonna happen. Don't ever think this again. <laughs> and so every once in a while I would bring it like, once I won the in here, you know, I'm on So, like, I went really and got a trophy made for me in my image. Uh, I got I tights got with, with boy on the butt, which Scott Hudson loved. So, uh,. November of the following year, and oh
2: man how cool was it to work with Scott Hudson I mean you were obviously a WCW and a wrestling fan growing up that must have been kind of cool yeah, so
3: we, but, 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 the whole era of Wildside was just so surreal to me. Cause like, I was, like I said, when I got there, I was about three years in the business, but I'm talking, like, mom and pop, you know, like, no interactions with anybody that's ever been anywhere, ever. And then all of a sudden, like, I kind of just the into Wildside, who had to be very developmental. So, like, I went from, you know, like, the biggest person I've ever been on a show with, DC but he was like hundred and forty six pounds. To walk in the locker room and be high to eye with Bob Sand, but Bob Sands sitting down and him on my tiptoes. So it was just just this whole new world, but like so Scott Scott Hudson had like to this day, he still for whatever reason, like I'll went into him from time to time in Georgia, he'll just show up. And he has always been a big Sal Renaro supporter. Which still blows me away to this day, Like right? I was, like, super more humorous, like, when I saw him in the locker room, just like, dude, this is awesome, and then, like, when I found out he was doing commentary for my match, I was like, oh, my God, Scott Hudson, because it was Scott Hudson and Steve Prater, who I'd seen in ECW, so I was just like, oh, my God, I'm the most famous person ever, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I also still running the Scott all the time, and
2: Also that size and strength. I just wonder, like you know, if it's a little. Oh, just
3: one Keep in mind, like I said, when I walk into the locker room at Wildfire, like I'm already kind of intimidated just because, like, this was the hotbed of Georgia indie wrestling, and I walk in, he's literally the first guy I see, and I'm standing as vertical as I've ever stood in my life, and this guy is sitting down and he's looking me in the eye. Yeah. He stands up and he just doesn't stop. So, yeah, super intimidating. He was also a very cool guy. You know, like, he was very, like, once we got done, he was very appreciative of me going in there and bumping for him, like I had a choice. Right. I'm pretty sure if he wanted to bump me, he was going to bump me. But he was a super cool dude. Uh, I I really liked Bob Sap.
2: Last time you were on was. I think the first week of March. Two weeks later, they started shutting everything down for COVID. You were injured. How has the recovery been and what's been going on? Well, I
3: told a lot of people when I broke my arm, I kind of secretly hoped that the wrestling world would kind of wait for me. I didn't mean the whole world. Uh, That's my fault. That's on me. World, I apologize. I put my out into the universe all the time. Is the first time it's worked? (laughs) Very good, too. Who knew? But yeah, the arm, I'm I'm back full boogie as far as in the jam. I've gotten to roll around in a ring a couple times. Everything felt good. Nothing, obviously, live in front of a live crowd or anything yet, but, uh, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm ready, I know that, I'm I'm physically ready to go, I'm just hoping the world can catch up with us, because, uh, I know, like, I get constantly, especially, you know, like, it's it's awesome, just I've been a part of really great fan in my life, but nothing like the NWA fan base. I'll get five to ten messages a week from different people. Hey, when's NWA coming back? Really miss you guys. When's NWA
0: coming back? Like, if I had an answer, I swear I'd let you know.
2: I can't wait. I know that. Mm. Uh, One of the questions I was gonna ask you was if if you knew. (laughs) I I had a feeling you weren't gonna know, so (laughs) that's
3: okay. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm about to stand by like everybody else. You know, the problem with this is, across the board, everything is so unknown that, you know, I think it'd be foolish. It would almost, you know, it'd be foolish to announce a date and we get to that date. Something happens in between, and sometimes stops the show from happening. I know I've talked about, the there's not, I know Billy wants to go, be back running, I know Nick Aldis wants to be back running, you know, trickle down the card, everybody wants to be back running, but I get the genuine feeling that they don't want to do half a crowd. They don't want to do a quarter crowd, like. That audience at the GPP studio is so essential to the presentation of the show that if you take if you take away part of that crowd, you're almost taking away the heart of the show. And so as frustrating as it is for a guy like me who's, you know, you know, I haven't got the rest since January. So, you so know, like there's all these guys on the Indies that are, you know, that are, you know, good- maybe to race, wrestle for people in three months of that you know like, I'm super ready to go but I I respect the decision that if we're going to do it we're going to do it the right way we're not going to endanger anybody so like I think that's awesome but like I said, like, like, wait if, if they come out tomorrow and announce you know the first show Sunday I'll be the
2: first guy there <laughs> I'm assuming and you've been watching a lot of wrestling still like what's out there i <laughs> <Constantly. laughs> Dude, what did you think of Eddie Kingston being an AEW? How did that feel? Well, so,
3: I mean, I've always liked Eddie. have known Eddie for a long time. Eddie was a part of one of my favorite, All uh, we were doing the HitchNet show for R.O.H. I tried to pitch that idea I was nervous about, battle, but it was it was something where I was thrown in the ring. It was all good, guys So like, what do you mean, Adam Pearce, who was booking at the time, and I go, what if I eat that breakfast before the bell even starts? So as soon as the class calls for the bell, and he just discovers me, and thinks we have a three-second match. I go, we'll fill up the four minutes of TV, but the match itself will be three seconds, and he's like, I love it, it's different. Right. So we did, it, you know, I had the get out, and to Eddie and then finally I bump into him and I give him the old, you know, and I feel him behind me and I pray to sleep baby Jesus and I feel him behind me again and it's all gone, guys I go to shake his hand. He's spinning back, fits me. He, you know, kind of gives the rest a look. He rings the bell. One two, three, he rings the bell. So, I okay, mean, this is 09. So I've known Eddie for a long time. I've always known Eddie. When I got to the, when we did the first set of NWAK pickups, Eldest, Eddie's the modern day Dusty, and Eddie was always like, Don't shut up, I'm not Dusty Rhodes. I was like, No, man, you're this generation's Dusty, dude. Like, I mean that in every respectful way possible. Like, dude, you're Dusty, it's cool. So, when well, with anything anymore. This is the worst. <laughs> so the purpose the pussy, I mean, he, uh, uh, saying he had a home run is an understatement. I mean, he just, uh, it, was, it was such a thing of beauty. But he says, he says little things that pop me. He, like, he's so good on a microphone. And he's so genuine. But like, it's not the, the heart sort of what he says, but it's little things like when he, when he told, told Ard, you know, I put on my sweet mom, my, my mom's beautiful eyes, if you say one more word to me, I'll pop out your eye. I was like, man, just the fact that he was able to incorporate just his mom's beautiful eyes, like, it's stuff like that that really gets you like, man, that's brilliant. So, uh, I'm, I'm super happy for Eddie, I'm super bummed for me.
2: Yeah, I do want to say I actually was explaining Eddie Kingston to someone the other day as a fan, and I I said his interviews remind me of a modern-day Dusty and Funk kind of. And yeah! Yeah. yeah! And to the team, Davis the interviewer and interview we with
3: us at the same time. Almost from day one, we were like, dude, this is the modern-day Dusty night. Just we just, people listen it's so no captivating and compelling, and it's not touching, and it's not, you know, I'm going to sit that on a shirt. It's just, you feel everything he says, and it's very much like Dusty Rhodes, Like, you just feel what he says, and he relates to the people, and you want to see them win, and you want to see them in And, you want to them. and you know I mean, that's the thing I think any sensor is going to get a pro wrestler. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Now, you said Kyle We had Kyle on the show once And I want to ask you How did it come about For people who haven't seen this It's called Kyle and Sal lack direction <laughs> and It's a little and It looks like you're kind of Annoying Kyle But it's great Like, how did this come about? So,
3: uh When Right before they announced Cardiol I got a phone call Like, so hey, we're doing A show called Cardioling and I was like, okay, well, what's the premise? Oh, we don't know yet. We're going to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> so I just started putting together a bunch of different ideas in my brain. Like, well, what can I do that, that would separate me from the past? Well, at the uh, same time, I was talking to Kyle because he's moved to Georgia. So I stayed in Pennsylvania anyway. It's just about life. And so we were running ideas by each other. And my grand my decision. Was the, the pitch I came up with was Dale you know, was my babysitter while I was on a hunt for the physical incarnation of Carnyland. Okay. So every week there would be a uh, two minute segment of why she should you know, with that premise, I should get into this thing. You know, as long as the end of the day is, I'm hunting for Carnyland, it should take me to space, it should take me underwater, it the And so I threw that pitch and I said, well, the problem is, there's a character within Cardiolan. So you're kind of looking for, you you can't be looking for a place for awards I was like, oh, no. And they go, but we like the idea of you and Kyle. A buddy in my brain we were we were like Bill and Ted, but I was told Harold and Kumar. I was like, whatever, as long as we get to do this and they you know, so we started bouncing ideas off each other and they came up with Well what if you are hunting for a special present for May Valentine to, to help her through to know, get through the pandemic? And I was like, That's perfect. So um. Uh, forget them and
2: I'll laugh at them by myself. <laughs> I, I, you can tell you and Kyle definitely have a good relationship. And sure yeah, yeah go
3: and out. that's one of those things that goes back to those ROH things too where you know, he, was, he was trained he, I think he was part of the Aries class. And for whatever reason, I always kind of, I tried to look out for the young guys that were just breaking in. Uh, and Kyle was one of those guys, and he kind of shifted gears and went into the, the commentary in the backstage interview role. But uh, Kyle and I have always, I mean, we've just always the to clacked and had chemistry about us. And I was going to what you see is what you get on that, on that, on those videos. It's not a script, nothing scripted. And it's us going down the road and him seeing a the playground. They're going, hey, what if we do this? I'm like, oh. Yeah, you know, and we're just kind of building off each other's ideas. But, like, uh, I have a blast doing it, and uh, I'm really, fingers crossed, we should get back to it. We you <laughs>
2: I think uh, Producer Joe wanted me to ask you. Do you want to know if you listen to hip-hop music? Because there's a joke in there at the end, I think, about NWA. You're looking to put in. Oh, there you go. That's
3: one of our on run uh, One of the gags for the show, one of our on running gags is, I think Ice Cube's the owner of DWA. <laughs> because I heard, you know, an NCD-90s musician about uh, DWA. Why wouldn't it be Ice Cube? Literally the only logical conclusion. I mean, I'm, I'm a two chip object, anyways, so it kind of just works, works into my right advantage. But this was actually my idea that I ran with. Yeah, I'm a big chip uh, But Yeah, that's a that's a, a that's something we're I'm trying to intertwine into a lot of the stuff we did going forward that hasn't made air yet. That uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get into the NWA to not only be a successful wrestler, but so Ice Cube will listen to my demo <laughs> and help I me, mean, you know, help my
2: bloody rap career. Awesome. <laughs> no, uh, we made a little joke about the man called Sting earlier. I gotta ask you, then, Transition <laughs> pro wrestling music. What are some of your favorite pro wrestling theme songs? I know you probably got some. <laughs>
3: So I'm I'm very much all over the board. Like I said, I'm a huge hip hop fan. Like, that's what I listen to. But I'm also everywhere. I'm all over the board when it comes to my musical taste. So you'll have to bear with me on some of these. Uh, A lot of them are probably, you know, from the golden era. Like, uh, Dive Soul Bro. I have an I shop. Even as a kid, like, I didn't connect that Akeem was a shot at <laughs> I just saw a dancing the Jive Soul Bro, and it brought me so much joy. dude like It literally wasn't until oh 02 that I realized that the 747 was named uh, we the Air Africa when it became a king. And so, it can't get me That's the smartest deck ever. But definitely, Jive Soul Bro, uh, all American boys for fabulous rousseaux. Get out of here. <laughs> I remember when the problem came out in ninety six. I could not wait. The epitome of cool was going down the street in my buddy's car playing a razor remote steam. <laughs> you don't know Cool. The uh, Razor Mode, a real yeah. American, a timeless classic. I know the lyrics from the Hucky Pump Band and the Big Boss Band. But even, I'm trying to think about it. My son and I were just a couple days ago rocking out to Dino Brown's theme. Oh, man, yeah. Ruined a whole generation. My, uh, my, my son, my, my youngest son, and my, my oldest son was born while I was still full time, just after it, on the road all the time. So I think he kind of has a bitterness towards wrestling. My youngest son is not that way. Epitome of a mini Mm mini. So, like, when he comes to pro wrestling, he's almost as sharp as I am already, which is scary. Because I'm like, hey, man, maybe maybe do some algebra. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very proud that you can name the man of every WrestleMania, considering you're nine years old and you weren't alive for most of them. I need you to stay. Real history, like the American history, for like 20 minutes, and then we'll get back into the split of Strikeforce at WrestleMania. All right, buddy, like bear with me. But I uh, mean, yeah, a couple days ago we were in we that deal round song. I forget what happened, but we were like, "Yeah, it's time, for everybody." <laughs> there's, 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 there's so many. What <sighs> up? The Mark Henry, i am get Mark Henry, I'm sorry, the, the Batman, they're going to write the same song. He's a bad man doing bad things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that killed here didn't work. He told us all what was happening. <laughs> he did it for the people. He did it for the people.
2: I wanted to ask you, though, you had a story, I want to say, the last time you hear about your son, where there was somebody didn't like, and even though, like, they were trying to portray him as a good guy, you're like, nope, nope, (laughs) he's not a good guy, I can't remember what it was, but there was somebody... Oh, I know
3: (laughs) there's a story! brought
2: up rusev you're a fan of him i just want to ask you assuming everything gets back to normal down here online the nwa is back we're running shows who are some guys maybe you'd like to see in the nwa all of them <laughs> 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 as soon as all the roots it, i just said uh bill parents i was like bill can i
3: get your place with Later. <laughs> I mean, it's an upgrade, but like I don't want that to happen. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of guys that um, I would have said a week ago so that obviously aren't there now, just because of their contracts. But like, um, I would have loved for a guy like a Kirk Hawkins to come in just because I think he's got a great mind. And I'm a figure guy too, so we can talk figures and uh, I can pick his brain. Luke Gallows is a good buddy of mine. And, you know, I, mean, I, I talk to him once a week, so I would have loved to see him and Carl come in, especially in the tag division and NWA. I think they would have fit right in. Just, I mean, especially if, if we still had Kingston and Holloway, something with, with the Good Brothers, Holloway and Kingston, I think would have been very cool. I mean, I mean if we had Bruce versus Algus for the NWA title, I think would be awesome. I think that would be spectacular i always thought uh, Curtis Axel is very underrated. in seen ring stuff. Uh, he's at the right outlet. Uh, I would really be interested in see a guy like him come in. The test is still out there that has already been picked up. He's uh, smarter company. They got picked up. But the
2: FTR would have been good, obviously, I think. They would have been good. Right. Oh, uh, well, So when, when it was a you know, leaving right when the Cup was
3: happening, mm. And like uh, so like I knew Dash and Dawson before both of them were when when they were still Stephen Walters and uh, Casey McMack and they were two North Carolina NLC so guys. Uh, so I've known them forever too. So like when, when uh when Christoph was on the calendar and FTR was it was available, I was oh I was so excited because like this is the perfect fit. I mean, I I could imagine a better scenario. Plus, selfishly, I would love to get in there and and mix it up with him again. Uh, It's been been years. I remember, like, the first, when Stephen Walter, uh, when, I guess his name's Cash Wheeler now, when he first started coming around, I mean, he was probably, he he wasn't late, he was early 20. He he was a high-flyer. I mean, I remember talking, Talking him into doing a 450 through an open ladder. So just watching how his whole style has evolved and changed has been awesome. and I I haven't got to fix it up with him since he changed his style. So that would be, you know, both of them. I love to get the opportunity to get it
2: there with you, and one of them. Um, yeah, one of them, correct me, I'm not sure which one it was, actually was helping Edge with his comeback. They had him on... Uh... Yeah, we was Dash? It was
3: Dash, okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um. yeah. He uh, uh he, he, he actually told me the story where he Edge Edge started coming to the gym he worked at, and instead of Dash like hey, I'm a wrestler, come, watch myself, blah 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 blah, he didn't say anything to him about it for months until somebody else smartened Edge up. Just the one who was like, hey, I heard you wrestle. If you want to show me some footage sometime, I'd be happy to help. So, you know, but I I think they kind of, the way it was handled, I think, Edge gained a better respect for him that way. Like I said, I would love getting there with him. They're awesome. and I've got a guy down here that I work with that I would love. That would be my dream tag match on the Indies. His name, my buddy Marv, Buttershy. FDR, I'd love to see them Uh, buying NWA. I mean what a what a perfect
2: scenario for them, right? right. You're very good at laughing at yourself. I appreciate that. That's gotta be helpful in the wrestling business. It's actually very helpful in life too, I would say too. I've I've used it myself, so for yourself. Yeah. We hear,
3: you're welcome.
2: <laughs> Assuming we do get back to normal, you're back in a ring. Let's say you're back in a ring, and God help me, in three months, a year from now, what would you like to be doing? What's the ideal scenario? What's a goal? What would be something you'd like to see for yourself? Well,
3: i know on. Of an underground sensation. So, like, I would, I mean, if I can, if, if NWA is back up and running, I would love to still be a part of the NWA family. Like I said, those fans are so passionate. I think it's really cool to see how far, like, not like the NWA is this new young thing. I mean, it's 866 years old. Revolution of the NWA has been something that's been so cool to be a part of, and uh, I'd really like to, you know, find myself a really good niche in the NWA. I mean, like, wait, I'm not sure what's going on with these guys right now in that TV title, but I know that's always been even when the Wild Side, when the NWA Wild Side was up and stuff like that. That on the bucket list. Like, I want to be the television champion. And I just remember as a kid, you know, you're the best wrestler on television if you have the TV title. Like, that's such a cool thing to be able to say. And I would love to be in the TV title mix. And a year from now, you know what I mean? That would be awesome for me. Obviously, you know. In there, mixing it up with, with Nick Aldis for the NWA World Title would be uh, surreal. I honestly think, if given the right amount of time and the right story, I could make a believable case as to why I could be in that mix and get that shot. I mean, everybody knows the the the, the comedy side of me and the funny side of me, but there's also this this. But, you know, been buying the magazine since 1984. Like, and, 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 and the interviewing title means a lot to a lot of people, but it means so much to me, just the heritage of, of what it represents, just the heritage of pro wrestling. Uh, like I've said a million times, I'm a self-professed wrestling nerd. So, like, to be in the heart of that, that would be surreal. That would be awesome. So, uh, that would definitely be something on my bucket list. Hundred percent.
2: I hope we see the NWA back soon. I'm a huge fan of it as well. I I do think you're right to a certain point. Even though it's like the oldest organization out there, it felt very new again in the time period that we're living
3: in. So it was super cool. It's got this new, this whole new breath of life. And I know they say you know wrestling cyclical and sometimes what's old is new, but like it almost feels. To make this thing work. And, I, you know, this is not the disparity of the wrestling companies because I, I, I've seen it, you know, from WWE on down. How so much effort and work and pride goes into all these different shows. But to be there from day one of the Power Era, I really take a great amount of pride in that. Like I said before, like, I was the very first match.
2: I have to say uh, you were talking about this earlier and uh how like real like you know like you and Kyle's relationship is and you know Tim Storm comes across very real Eddie Kingston when was on the show very real and I think Nick yeah. said it too it's like one thing the NWA really brings to the table to me is that authenticity it just feels so genuine when you're watching the show
3: and, and I'm so glad that that- It comes across the screen because it's real. It's not like it's not like we're in the back, goofing off. Like, those guys that are in that locker room, I say girls, I say guys as it covers both sexes. So don't yell at me for I love all people. But everybody in that locker room genuinely. Want to be there, you know? They want to make this product the best they can. They 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 want the fans to enjoy themselves. They want this NWA project to work, and I'm, I'm super glad that 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 comes across on the television.
2: Yeah, one thing I was saying about, like, especially with all this too, I think you would agree with this, like. When you're watching an NWA show, and I think this is, by, I don't know if it's by design, but it just works out this way. I think it's great. Is you're watching solid wrestling, they're giving you a little bit of everything, but when all of this is in that main event, especially if it's a pay-per-view, it feels like a big fight feel. It feels like a boxing title match or a UFC title, like, oh, okay, this is game time now.
3: Absolutely, I think it's column A and column B. I think, I, I definitely think it's done by design, but I also think it's, it's a natural occurrence. Like, I don't think anybody on day one wrote down on a piece of paper, "Big it, Dick Deal." You, I mean, you, can you can't, you can't for that. Yeah. You know, you, you you can you can push my sugar as much as you want. At the end of the
2: day, Jimbo Sugarhead yeah. just wanted to. And I think we got to give all this credit for that, too. It's definitely the man right there who, uh...
3: Absolutely. Again, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, So I'm a big fan of Office. I know, I'm just writer-free to I like write to The Office. But Pam and Angela are doing a podcast, a weekly podcast where they review an episode of The Office, and they always talk about what great writing they had to work with. But you can only put so much on paper. You know, like, it's got you've got to have a person that can perform it that, that makes that writing stand out and work And Elvis has done more than that I mean, you know, like I said you, you can write whatever you want about it, you on paper, but he's the one that goes out there and does it and he does it so
2: well that it it's almost scary We're at about 45 minutes now I'm going to let you get off Is there anything you want to promote before you go? Anything you want to let people know they can find you? Hit them with it Sure, yeah.
3: Yeah. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Salonaro. I'll shoot out a tweet maybe once every day when I get bored. I have these weird insights that are like, oh, I should do a pro wrestling tweet today. Uh, Sometimes sometimes it's useful. Sometimes it seems like, uh, you know, I want to.
2: You know what? I don't think we can end this on a better note. <laughs> there you go. Sal, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Anytime. Awesome. Thank you, Sal. Thank you so much. For awesome. Much. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Have a great night, man. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
4: Welcome back, fans, for another week of the 5 3 1, where we take our top five list on a particular subject, debate it down to a top three, and then we pick a number one out of that group. And this week, we are talking the top feuds in wrestling history. We got Connor Elsie's bringing us a list. He's got CM Punk versus Samoa Joe, Sting versus The Great Muda, Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka. Austin versus McMahon. I love this one. Cornet versus Russo. And then as his honorable mention, Steamboat versus Flair. And after that list, I'm not even hating on Steamboat and Flair as an honorable mention. I think he gave us six heavy hitters.
5: I believe this is the same Connor who might have saved the merit at a beyond wrestling event I went to one time too.
4: Yeah, young Connor Elsie, I believe he's Waterford High class of twenty twenty. Shout out to him.
5: Hell of a guy. I think he also questioned me if I had the right to be sitting down in the seat that I was sitting in. I had to let him know that I was resting.
4: You, you should have told him graduate high school and then come talk to me then, Connor. I'll sit where the <laughs> well, fuck Aaron, I want to sit.
5: You can talk to me with some bass in your
4: voice. <laughs> <laughs> Say it with your chest, little man.
5: i have going to be going to Scott from Ballantown, our boy. He don't F around. And he's got Flair on Steamboat right on top where it belongs through that honorable mention, yeah. Then we got Austin versus McMahon, Taz versus Sabu, HCK versus Brett, WWE, although it was WWF at the time, versus WCW. Honorable mentions to Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman, because they did such a good job of making it feel real. And I told him we could include it as an honorable mention because he just loved this scene and he was on the fence about it. And we're going to hear it a few times. Tommy Dreamer versus Raven.
4: That is not a bad list. I'm going to give you my list to show you how close Scott and my sensibilities are. We've been friends for, God, it's got to be 30 some odd years now. But I had Flair Steamboat at the top of my list. Hart Michaels right after that. Cornette Russo third. Stone Cold McMahon fourth. And then I got to give it up to that Okada Omega. I wanted to give it up to Okada Tanahashi for what it meant. To New Japan and just the generations over there, like almost being like close generation wise, but almost a class apart. But Okada and Omega did such crazy stuff that I had to give it to them. Who do you got well, next for a list?
5: They think uh, who's got Rick Flair versus Terry Funk, which is just an awesome dude. Terry Funk at one point puts a bag over Rick Flair's head and suffocates them, and they have to make an apology the following week. Blair, who was a for claustrophobic, by the way, was not enjoying this angle at all. Raven versus Tommy Dreamer, feud that never died. I love the premise of it, how Tommy Dreamer could never get that one pinfall with Raven was leaving the company. And this feud, you're going to see a few times, Champa Gargano. You know, Ooh. probably uh, one of the best feuds in the modern era of wrestling right now. And let's take it to the classic era of wrestling again, the Freebirds versus the era. Another great one right there. And then last but not least, he's got a tie. Austin McMahon, and Minoru Suzuki is kind of hot.
4: Those are not bad lists. Um, or not bad choices. Yeah, very much. Jason Miller got to us with a list. He has McMahon versus Stone Cold, obviously. Hogan versus Savage. Matt Hardy versus Edge. Brett versus Owen. Angle versus Benoit. And then, as an honorable mention, Daniel Bryan versus The Authority.
5: Well... Rather than go to Zach, I want to go with Randy because I forgot to write down his honorable mention, but I actually remember.
4: Let me so guess. Austin, he agrees with Jason Miller.
5: No, he does not. <laughs> I'm missing something here. Uh, Rock versus Austin. Steamboat versus Flair. Hogan versus Piper. That's a good one. I haven't seen it yet. That's a good one. Edge versus Cena. Uh, that's a good feud for that era. HCK versus Triple H. And his honorable mention, Tessa Blanchard versus
4: Out. Jesus Christ. I should have seen it coming. That is actually a really good list. And good list yeah. Even though we clown on him about how much he picks Tessa for things, Tessa versus Taya was one of the better feuds that Impact had going through a rockier time. So I will give him that.
5: And props to put Hogan Piper on there because that was kind of the feud that set off Rock and Wrestle, the first WrestleMania. They had a match live on MTV. Uh, Mr. T got involved, Week got involved, so that was definitely a hot feud, one of the
4: hottest feuds of all time. And I would say one of the least talked about of Hogan's feuds, because you'll hear Savage more often, you'll hear Warrior, shit, you'll even hear like, later day feuds that he had, like maybe his WrestleMania match with The Rock, but like, but I don't think Piper, Piper gets brought up enough, yeah. No, Piper kicked it off. So James William Lawrence III brought us a list. He's got Magnum TA versus Nikita Koloff, Mm. the Road Warriors versus the Russians, Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express, Dusty Rhodes versus the Horsemen, and Undertaker versus Mankind. I wrote it down as Man King, and I'm pretty sure there's no Man King. There's a Man Scout, Jake Manning.
5: Me and that guy are going to have some stuff uh, similar on our list to him for some of those uh, NWA teams he put
4: on there. Yeah, some real deep digs. Four out of his five choices were NWA and three were like classic. Who do you got for a list next?
5: Just over here, I'm going to skip around. I'm going to go to Mike Flynn, who's got Raven and Tommy Dreamer. He also has Daniel Bryan versus the authority uh, figures, because he uh, basically said it was the organic nature of the feud played out, where they legit, you could tell, didn't want Brian to get over at that time, and he did, nonetheless.
4: Wow, see, um, I thought Brian versus the Authority was a weird pick, but to see two people pick it, I feel like I almost got to go back and watch more of that era of TV to really appreciate it better.
5: It's, it's really one of the last, really, I think, really great because it organically happened. If you follow Brian's journey, they did not push him, they did not want to push him to that level, but the yes chance just kept getting over and over to so the point that there was a conference call where Vince McMahon actually said it's a vocal minority it was a vocal minority that the death hit was happening not only in WWE arenas everywhere but in baseball field hockey games, basketball games and it kind of became obvious after a while hey, this day of gets over so anyway, continuing on though you also had Eddie Guerrero Ray Mysterio which I was
4: ooh, that's Eddie, a very uh, good there. one
5: it was a great feud in WCW, and then it goes on to WWE, where I just watched WWE Untold About This, where it was Eddie versus Ray, and it talked about the uh, custody of Dominic, the latter match. And I thought to myself, what a dumb storyline. But if you go back and watch it, Eddie Guerrero is so believable. He cuts such great promos, and the matches are so intense. And here we are, I want to say like 15 years later, and now Dominic Mysterio is going to be at SummerSlam this year, is a rumored match too. So, how cool is that? Hats off for uh, Flynn for putting Eddie Ray on this. He's got two more picks, though. Uh, HBK versus Jericho. I'm going to say this. I got a lot to say about this list. So, Flynn, you've a good list here. HBK versus Jericho. This is Jericho, in my opinion. Go back and watch it. Best heel work ever. He's not going to get white. He is mean he legit punches Sean Michael's wife in the face, folks. All right, go back and watch it. I hate to, he has to apologize to H C K and play it with an accident. So we're pretty sure he fucking gave his wife a shot. He tells a story when Jericho was playing the field that there was a kid and a father <laughs> that were in an elevator and they wanted his autograph. And Jericho said I wanted to give it to him. I could relate to him. But I was committed more in my life to be in this field than ever that I would not make eye contact or even look at this kid or this man. In the meantime, this guy is bitching me out going, you're a scumbag, Jericho. How can you not sign my kid's autograph? And Chris refused to look at him and walked out. So that's commitment to a heel. Final list, though, on the list, Rock versus Triple H and the IC title feud specifically because they were on the cusp of greatness and they were still firing off and we knew there was going to be something special. Anyway, that's the point win I said a lot during that, but that fired me up. I'm very happy with
4: that. One. That is a solid list. And imagine if Dominic turns heel at some point and takes Eddie's last name and somehow works that into the storyline. That would be wild.
5: Yeah, give me goosebumps, motherfucker.
4: <laughs> we got Tim Hartford. Brought us a list, and he has oh, Tim Hartford. Tim Hartford, you know him.
5: I do know Tim Hartford. Wow. I'm do you Hartford. really? I do. There's actually a picture of him where we used to work. He's got the chicken wing put on him by Bob Backlund. So, yeah, actually, I went to a Survivor Series
4: with him too, So, yeah, I'm very pretty. Oh, shit. So, me and him got something in common. We've both been putting the chicken wing by Backlund. He brought oh, yeah, a list. Great. He's got Michaels versus Hart, Triple H versus Foley, Hardy's versus Dudley's versus Edge and Christian, yep. Brett versus Mr. Perfect, and then he's got oh. Kai and Ty versus Val Venus to round out his list.
5: <laughs> of course he would. Oh, that's great. Ah, uh, yes, that is the famous choppy, choppy, peachy angle. <laughs> Thanks to some cold weather and a little shrinkage, now uh, the big pal boat team managed to survive that day.
4: <laughs> Thank God. So look at them. <laughs> so, who do you have next for a list?
5: <laughs> Let's go, Zach St. John. And that's the last person on my list other than mine. Zach St. John, we got uh, Austin versus McMahon, Steamboat versus Blair. Gargano and Champa again. Hart versus HBK and Raven versus Dreamer. Once again, him and his brother, and Flynn have some similarities on uh, some of this list. Well, basically, uh, yeah, Clint had Raven Dreamer, so yeah, these guys stick a lot.
4: Now we got a list from Charlie Pinkham next. Who had Stone Cold versus The Rock? Excuse me, Stone Cold versus Vince. Papa Shango versus The Ultimate Warrior. Oh God. Sting versus the N.W.O. And Hogan versus Macho Man. Not yeah, a bad list.
5: Cool. There you pop it, Tango.
4: <laughs> Chris Zauha. Always going to be Zaucha. You know it, bud. Shout out uh, prayers for Chris Zaucha's dad going through some medical stuff at the moment. So, any, whoever you pray to, pray for that dude. But he has Sting versus Flair. Midnight's versus Rock and Roll. Von Erich's versus Freebirds. Michaels versus Heart. And Austin versus Rock.
5: Good list, Bobby.
4: Dude, we get a list from AJ. No. All right, fuck him. I thought we uh, left him off. Here is Jason Gross's list. He has <laughs> Raven versus Dreamer, Sabu versus Taz, Stone Cold versus McMahon, Rhodes versus the Four Horsemen, and Bischoff versus McMahon. a yeah, good
5: list. Very Bischoff good list. was spelled out Vince for
4: a fight on a pay per view. I know, and who actually showed up to that? No nope. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Dave, if you want to give us your list, and then we'll give loyal listener Jesse from New Hampshire the main event spot. Did you give your list, right? You did, right? Yes, I did. I gave mine after Scott's because it had some similarities. Oh, right.
5: Similar. hit home in the field. Got it. All right. Uh, my list. Hogan and Andre, It threw the house. Come on, gonna rip that cloth off of the blood. Rowdy Piper, you're bleeding. That's <laughs> good stuff. Flair versus Funk, That is actually the first dude that popped in my mind when I started thinking about this stuff. New York Knockout, one of my favorite classic champions. Main event, Chip Ross, Gordon Sully with the ball. Gets no better. Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express. Folks, this dude spans several territories. Mid-South Wrestling. NWA. I believe they even had a match in the WWF at one point. Absolutely one of the... And Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yeah, so tremendous dude. Dusty versus The Horseman. One of the first big dudes in my childhood that I remember. And the first real the dude shoot dude that I ever saw in a wrestling blurred the lines. Hbk and Bret Hart. Sorry
4: That's about wrong. that. I had a dog barking. That's a good list. We got Obviously, in the main event spot, Jesse from New Hampshire. He has Rock versus Austin, Hardy's versus Dudley's versus Edge and Christian, Savage versus Steamboat, Cornette versus Russo, and Cena versus Edge.
2: Funny to see Cornette and Russo
5: uh, made it on this list twice. And also, I don't remember anyone else having Savage Steamboat on there, but that's a great dude to have on there. That's uh, Actually, AJ would probably have had that on there because that's the one where... Savage came down with a bell on Steamboat's neck and AJ said I did not know how they worked that as a child and I was scared to repeat
4: oh wow there you go so now that we've got all our top five lists and what Flair Steamboat has to make it on right
5: yeah Flair Steamboat was more than Flair Funk I guess
4: huh Flair Funk was like a close number two but Flair Steamboat definitely was on more if you had sure. to pick one of the Hogan feuds that's made it on a few lists, who would you give it to?
5: I think Hogan Andre uh, kind of made the list a few more times on here. So I think Hogan Andre would be the bigger feud with the more important feud. That being said.
4: And what how do you want to give that last spot to? I feel like Von Erich's Freebirds or Midnight's Rock yeah. and Roll.
5: But how many times did like, Austin McMahon or Austin Rock?
4: Austin McMahon made several. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we gotta give it to Austin McMahon on that one.
5: Yeah, I think we do. And so that's interesting. We have a real interesting uh let's say so. Austin McMahon, Hogan Andre, what's that one? Rock and roll midnight flare
4: Flair Steamboat.
5: Flair Steamboat. Okay. Wow.
4: It's gonna be hard to drop a first one off because I don't think Austin McMahon's gonna be the obvious first one.
5: No, I don't think it
4: is. No. I mean, it's still in contention, but it's like, I don't know who to get rid of for. Uh, I almost think Hogan Andre, because even though it drew the house, Austin McMahon was like a bigger, more recent sensation. Mm. And what Flair Steamboat did for work rate wrestling and putting on like those truly classic matches and inspiring a generation, I feel like it's a step above Hogan Andre.
5: Let's look at this though differently. This is a feud, right? So, I mean, the power, what was the more, you know, maybe violent and bitter feud? You know, Sneeble represented everything that was good, right? He was the family man, and Ric Flair was like the womanizing, you know, partier. I mean, yeah, you know, I guess we could say, we could drop Hogan and Andre, honestly, because even though it's through the house, what was that feud really about? A couple big guys, maybe friendships into the trade you know but i don't think it was as personal as the other two
4: and speaking of the other two being personal which was more personal was it flair steamboat or was it austin mcmahon
5: oh uh, there's no doubt in my mind you know don't you ever joe i own my own business now why is that because i don't want to work for a boss and he did a so cold Steve Austin. all right you hate your boss you want to drop that sack of dimes he calls, and that's what a stunner. You know you want to do that when you walk into the office once in a while, Joe. You want to stun some people. Yeah, I
4: was going to say it's happened more often than I'd care to admit lately. <laughs> you, you got me. I was going to make a, a case for Flair steamboat, but it's been a bad fucking week, so fuck him. We're going Austin McMahon. Austin McMahon, baby. Shout out to my job. Oh,
5: hell yeah. Working fans, my fans. Give me a hell yeah. <laughs>
4: And Dave, you know what that music means. That means we have picked a top favorite feud, and it's got to go to Austin McMahon. So, guys, it's very clear. I don't know the name of the Facebook group, Working Fans Podcast. Look it up. It might be Wrestling Podcast. I'm 100% that we are at Fans Working. We are Wrestling underscore pod at gmail.com. That's probably the Instagram too. And WorkingFansPodcast.com. We got that domain for a year. You best believe I'm going to fucking remember that. I think fucking the top feud this week might be me versus short-term memory. What do you think, Dave?
5: Yeah, yeah. You got the ass with, baby. I don't know if it's the feud. They walked all over you. They made a dumber out of you. Yeah, they, they
4: stomped a mud hole in my ass and walked it dry on my fucking floor. You're dry.
5: you dry, shit.
4: <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll end it there, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, and have a good one.
2: all right, everybody! It's the Working Fans Podcast. It's your fan Dave here today. I got a couple good ones on. They are third generation wrestlers. They are the grandsons of the legendary Fritz von Erich and the sons of the legendary Kevin von Erich. They are also the MLW World Tag Team Champions, Ross and Marshall von Erich. Guys, how you doing? oh uh,
3: good. What an intro, man! <laughs> I'm I'm pumped
0: now. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, we're happy to be on the show.
2: Awesome, man. Awesome. So I wanna start off in the beginning. When you guys were growing up, how long before you knew like what a big deal your family was in Texas? And, you know, going in school too, was there ever any like jealousy from other people? Or was everybody good to you? Like, how was that growing up being a Von Eric? You know, some of my earliest
0: memories this is Ross by the way. Some of my earliest memories of going to the shows with my with my dad you know my i'd be with my mom in the in the stands or whatever behind the you know in the back and then i just you know i remember leaving shows and then fans you know crowding the cars we'd leave but it was just normal you know i never had anything to really compare it to and then um uh, and then i went to the same school as my my uncle carrie my dad my uncle all my uncles and i had the same you know third grade chief you know so small small town kind of thing and you know and it kind of goes both ways you know Like, everybody kind of, everybody knows, you know, the name Atkinson. There's, you know, affiliated with Von Eric. And, you know, so sometimes, you know, you'll get a ton of favor, you know, and they'll treat you great. And other times, you know, they treat you like, you know, you don't exist or, you know, you're you're annoying or whatever. Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons. It's Yeah, sometimes that if if the teachers, we, we, it kind of trained us as adults. To, to try to come off as non-intimidating as possible, because you know sometimes if people thought we were going to be entitled or snobby when they first met us, because we're both pretty quiet, and so sometimes I can come off as snobby, and, and so we, we would we we'd try our best that not to. But yeah, uh, the good old yes ma'am, no, and yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. That that, that goes a long way.
2: Kill them exactly. with kindness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
2: <laughs> You guys broke in. I saw that you were uh, you trained with your dad, obviously, but you also trained with Harley Race. Is that a fact? That's right. That's right.
3: 2012 is uh, when our when everything
0: started for us. um, Harley Race had a wrestling academy, and uh, we were both playing football. Um, You know, wrestling was always a a dream of ours, especially. Younger, because of course we just wanted to be like our dad. Our dad is just a, a great father, a great role model. And yeah, you know, we grew up watching, you know, the old world class tapes and stuff, and we'd be wrestling each other the whole time we are watching. You know, jumping all over the bed. It, it didn't matter where we were. We'd be Walmart, Home Depot, <laughs> we're wrestling in line, and and so it was just kind of what we were so used to. And then um actually have the opportunity to go and and uh, go to a school and really see what we're made of, and. And, and compare yourself to other guys that have been doing this a long time it was it was just it was really really awesome so we went to the harley race uh, camp and that's when uh, we got invited to Pro wrestling noah there it was uh, some t- uh two two scouts were there and they brought us to Pro Wrestling noah or invited us after and so we didn't really know what we were in for but i think now personally knows that one of the best things we could have done for our career my dad. But my dad, it was his way of, you know, putting us in the fire. And, you know, it was, we definitely didn't have anything handed to us over there. It was, you know, we, we started off our first three months with just bumps. And, and it was all about learning to respect the business. And um, it gave it just gave us a whole new perspective of wrestling. And it was great for it.
2: In your guys' time in Japan, did you find that to be a more uh, physical style as well? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, was, I, absolutely. yeah. J- Japan, you know, it's the, you
0: know, any preconceived notions we you know we thought we had about you know wrestling you know cuz we're both you know athletes trying you know looking to go to you know further careers and high school college athletics and so any preconceived notions we had about it being like hokey or whatever you know american style whatever it totally changed in Japan, you know, with the hard hitting and the you know, everyone wearing mouthpieces. And our, our 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 first day there, we went to a show at Kirkland Hall to to kind of watch the product. And we were watching these guys put mouthpieces in, right? What is that all about? Huh. And then these guys were just killing each other. I I, I saw one of the guys lose a tooth and then over an elbow exchange. And hmm. we were sitting there after the show my dad and like, did you did you just see that? And he's like, Welcome to Japan. And so it was. It was just, you know, but it, but it made us closer as brothers. We've always been we've always been really close, but it definitely made us closer closer as brothers. We had have, we had to have each other's back no matter what, and we just didn't, you know, the, in Japan you got to earn everything, and it's it's uh, just because of your name it, it, they'll, they'll be harder on you um, if you're third generation because you know they, they they don't want they just don't want to they don't want to take the easy route, and so we, you know, I, I, and it, you know it's all about respect over there, and I think. Out of respect, they were in a way they were they were harder on us, you know. We, you know, and it really helped us. Looking back, I'm thankful for you know, uh, Segura, all the all the guys that were you know rough and tough with us, you know. So you know, now we look back and we're grateful for it, and we feel like we grew a lot from it. Yeah.
2: A Question specifically for Marshall: Did you start off barefoot, or was that something you decided you wanted to do to honor your dad? How did that come about, and what was the adjustment like?
0: So, so I've always um, I've always been. I just lie. I just hate shoes, and I've definitely picked that up from my dad. And you know, it's less weird living in Hawaii, but going into like uh, not getting looked down upon for having dirty feet. because I'm always, you know, never wearing shoes. But when we went to the Harley Wraith Academy, my dad was trying to make me buy some wrestling shoes, and I just hated them so much. I was getting blisters, and I was trying to break them in a couple days before we went. and I got to the school. They said, "You know, uh, train and whatever you're gonna you're gonna wrestle in and out." And I told them I wanted to be bare feet, barefoot. And I that was the best decision for me because also it just I like to travel light, and so I can just throw my trunks in my back pocket, and I'm ready. I can take my trade wherever I go.
2: That's awesome. Given you know, obviously the up and downs of the Von Erich legacy and everything that happened. Do you guys feel any pressure right now carrying on Devon Eric Legacy? Is that something that, you know, weighs on the back of your mind? Or is that something you guys, you know, you're just doing you right now? How does that work?
0: You know, it's, it, it's a, it, I would say it's, it's just all about perspective, how you look at it. And I don't mean to sound preachy, preachy or anything, but, you know, uh, before anything, we you know, we're Christians and, our, and we, we, we put our, you know, we've, God has opened this door in wrestling and, and everything that's, that's that's come about, and we so we really haven't tried to force anything to happen. We really just let the doors open because any door I've tried to open has has shut in my face, whether it be football, track and field, whatever it be. And then wrestling is the only door that stayed stayed open. And that was a dream of mine when I was a kid, but I kind of let it go because I didn't know, you know, that's that's a big dream. And I don't know, it was just it was just weird how the wrestling door stayed open, but yet... Um, at first, being young, I could definitely see just how how the wrestling fans looked at my dad in Texas, Israel, and like all these places. How they had such a respect for him, and seeing what my grandfather and my uncles did. And so, for us as brothers, we go out there, and as soon as the bell rings, we are we're going to give it everything that we have. Due to you know, due to the blood, sweat, and tears of my uncles and our family have done for the name, and so we feel like we wouldn't be doing it justice if we didn't go all out. But I, we don't look at it, at it as really pressure, really, because you know God has us here for a reason, and so we're we, we really are just we're, we're we're going through the doors that He that He opens. But it's been it's just been a just a magnificent ride with my brother. We get to travel the world, and it's you know to know that you know the pressure is not on me. When it's over, God, God will close the door, and the door hasn't shut, so we're just gonna keep we're gonna keep on going. We haven't really we haven't really tried to push anything to happen. All this stuff, MLW, all it, it all it all just came up, we, we didn't send them any tapes or anything, it was just, you know, one step at a time, and we we definitely went through a stagnant part of, we started doing indie shows in, in, the, in the mainland and we didn't want to go to WWE, so we weren't really sure where, what we were supposed to do, but, you know, the door didn't shut, and so, we just, you know, we were just trying to stay faithful, keep even if there was, you know, people in the crowd, go out there and wrestle like it's a it's a main event, you know, wrestle, or just give it all we have, and, you know, and, uh, Eventually, MLW reached out to us with the perfect, uh, perfect plan for us, the perfect situation scenario that, that that we could work with, which was live in Hawaii and and you know and, and wrestle, uh, be a professional wrestler. And, and a lot of companies wouldn't work with that because you know living in Hawaii, it's it's, it's expensive ticket, it's far away. They want us to move and learning a little bit of what my dad's my dad's story. You know, family is important. Family is everything. And that's where you know we throw a lot of our strength. And so. Especially while my dad's in his latter days, we love spending this time all in the same island. We go to each other's houses every day, and and it's uh, we're just making the most of it during this time. But it, it's 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 a, it really is a, it's a it's a beautiful, awesome life. I couldn't be happier. I'm glad God shut the doors that He needed to shut because if, if it were up to me, I would have been a car salesman or so I, I don't know,
2: something I mean, else. Well, I'm glad you guys are doing what you're doing. Now, one thing else I want to ask you about before I get into MLW. Is well two things. One, you got to wrestle with your dad in Israel, I see, which I'm assuming was a really big deal. I want to hear a little bit about that, but also Israel, because for whatever reason, the Von Eriks have been hugely over in Israel. Little insight into that, and then what was it like teaming up with your dad?
0: Yeah, so so in the '80s, they the Israel only had they had one TV station hmm. that, that that would play, and so and and World Class was on it, and you know, and there, so. You know, every day during uh, it would come on like right at their it was like their Shabbat every on every Saturday at seven o'clock is like when they were allowed to like watch TV and relax again or whatever and stuff and so and they had just had that one channel so I think it's the only time in history that this is what I heard from some Israelis over there the only time in history that any anything has ever had a hundred percent ratings you know and so wow. it was like it, it was a, a part of you know so many people's you know lives growing up a part of. Yeah, yeah, you know. After Shabbat, we watched the Von Eris. You know, it's just like it was like almost tradition. You know, it was for, for that. You know, that for that little period of time, and it just and they, those people carried it with them. And so, you know, now here we are today. You know, and we still have a great relationship, and my dad, and all of us were lucky enough to get. And, and you know, somebody came up with the idea. To, you know, one more match for my dad in, in Israel, and and you know, my my dad my dad didn't have any plans. To have a retirement match, he never did. But he said if he ever did it, it would be you know, either Dallas or or Israel. And uh, you know, and my dad didn't know the magnitude of Israel until yeah, in the eighties, he went, he went down there, and uh, and he, I, he they just heard they had great TV ratings. And so my dad, you know, was like, "What the real Israel? That they, they, they're on Eric's fans? Are you serious?" Mm-hmm. And we have always been fans of Israel, and he said that he got there. And there is just the, the one time that he, that he's gotten weak in his knees from the sea of people. And he says that it was the biggest crowd he's ever seen. And he got out of the plane, and the guards were saying, this is for you. They're, they're, they're here because of you. And my dad couldn't believe it. And they told him, don't look up. Don't make eye contact because they don't want to make any, you know, they don't want to have an uproar in the crowd. If, if, if he gets the crowd hot, then, then there's because there's barricades up. And so, as he was walking through the barricade, he waved it, uh, waved it like a lady that was that was yelling for him. And he said, as soon as he waved, the barricade started shaking and, and moving. And he said, the ground rumbled. Uh-huh. So the, the the guard the guards picked him up over his shoulder. He thought he was in trouble, and they ran him to the police station. And uh, he said, oh, they sat there and watched world class tapes for about three or four hours till the crowd died. The uh, crowd died down, and that's when he knew that that there was just there was something big going on something special going on in Israel and it, it was uh, you know it was it was just unreal and the fact that we got to go there with my dad and have his retirement match it was just so many bucket list dream come trues at one time it was it was unreal it really was unreal just, I got to sit in there it was a you know the first time in a long time that three Von Erics were in the same ring and sitting there learning with my dad it was like a training session we got to we were sitting there talking about moves. My dad was like, hey, well, what should I do here? And he'd tag him until we'd tag him in. And he, yeah, yeah. I remember we'd literally be in the corner, you know, and he was, you know, giving us advice and, and uh, you know, saying, telling me what I should do next time I'm tagged in and, you know, tag me, that kind of stuff. And I was, I was, just, and I was just kind of stepping back. I'm like, I'm going to look back one day and just think this was really for real. There was a one moment
3: in the match where I'm like, this is just a really surreal moment right now. And it was the first time our
0: nieces and nephews ever watched us wrestle live. We brought the entire family. All 20 of us were there. And so our nie- nieces and nephews, my brother-in-laws, my sisters, everybody was there to, to see it. And it was just, you know, it was like time stood still. I look over to the left, and my family's in the front row, and I look to my right, and my dad sitting on the apron with me. It was just, it was just, I, I couldn't describe it. But there was definitely a lot of, there was a lot of speed bumps in the road. My dad had to flu the day of the show. We all had a stomach virus on the plane. It was it was it was definitely a test. But it, I don't know, as soon as that bell rang, rang, my dad just my dad like I was saying, he's a good role model. He he just he like nipped up. He's like, all right, boys, let's go. And it, and that stringhold came on and the place roared. It was just it was just so 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 cool.
2: That's awesome. I'm glad I asked you guys that. That's a great story too with your dad in Israel too. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, I saw the dark side of the ring documenting last year and, you know, the ending with you guys all hanging out with your dad. I remember thinking personally, I was like, i really love to see these kids get a shot in wrestling. And then I saw MLW, because I've been following them for a while, announced that you'd be coming. And I was like, all right. But man, to me, as a fan that watches that product, I don't think they could handle you guys any better. What has it been like working from MLW, and who are some of the people helping you out behind the scenes? You know, you know, we always knew
0: that the the perfect thing would would we would know it was the perfect thing when we're able to stay here in Hawaii, you know, with our family and stuff, and then and you know have a promotion, you know, work with us, and you know fly us out and do all that kind of stuff. And MLW was, you know, you know, we got offers, you know, to to move and you know work with other, you know, pretty big companies, you know, and we feel like. This, this MLW came in at just like the was the perfect time. Court Bauer, that guy, uh, that's he's he's one of he's one of my my favorite guys to work for. He came in, he he saw something in us that we didn't really see in ourselves yet. We were just going through the doors that opened, and Court he 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 said that you know he he said that he he just he believed in us. And then when he brought us in, I don't know, it was like he like knew what was going to happen before it happened. He he like could like see the future or something. That's what it felt like because. He was telling us how big it was going to be, and and he was right. It was just getting bigger and bigger, and it was just uh, him bringing in at that timing right after the, the right after the Vice thing. He was uh, he was talking to us before the Vice thing aired, and before we even talked to Vice, and so it was. But it was just perfect timing because we finally came an agreement of you know staying in Hawaii and 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 working with them, and then the Vice thing came out right before our debut, and so that timing of that was just unreal. But we really could not have, not be happier with. The promotion we're at, and the guys in the locker room—we got like a brotherhood in the locker room. These guys, everybody really does love each other. It really is like a—it really is like a family. I'm sure people, everybody's pulling for each other. Everybody wants MLW to look good and, and, and do well. And and there's this guy like low key, low key. We've been getting advice from him for you know for years in Japan. You know, we used to sit down with him, uh, sit down and have coffee with him, and just just yeah, just pick his brain because he's one of our favorite wrestlers. Uh, when we started going to Japan, and it was just cool to see, you know, an, an American fight with the same ruthless mentality as the Japanese, and you, know, you see a lot of the Americans kind of lighten up on the Japanese, and Lowkey would just give it to them, and, and that's what we like respected, and that's what we wanted to do, and, and so, so to, to be able to be in the locker room with Lowkey and was just like unreal for us and you know there's we, we made good bro, like brotherhoods with a lot of the guys harry smith uh brian tillman jr is one of our one of our good buddies now uh douglas james there's so many guys in, in, the, in the locker room that you know that it's, it's just been it's been surreal and then we, we've also we were also good buddies with tom lawler before all this we trained together and we pick his brain he gives us a, a he was giving us a good perspective of, of just the fighting world, and to bring that into wrestling, and, and that's what we wanted. We wanted to, we wanted, we want our 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 style to be just unusual and like a bar fight, like a bar fight, really. That's what we're going for. And and and, and these guys just, these guys are just awesome to to, just to pick their brains and, and work with.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things I like too is the music they have you come out to. It's very reminiscent of Wranglehold, and yeah, yeah, we yeah, love that.
3: Fun. Fun. Yeah, we're stoked for that.
2: Yeah, it's awesome. And then, like, you know, like, the way you guys debuted and, uh, you know, fighting with Contra and there's these brawls. Like you said, it looked like a bar fight. I remember the first time um, <laughs> you guys were in there with Contra and I just saw this wild fight happen. And I'm like, well, I texted a buddy of mine. I was like, this
0: is the damnedest
2: thing I've seen in a while. You have to watch this. But uh, Yeah,
0: it, it was definitely unique. Yeah, like, like after the match, I remember thinking, like, did, did that go, like, really well or did it go terrible? Like, we, would, we didn't know. We had no kind of feeling of how how it went, you know, but we got in the back and you know, Court was like, you know, welcome to MLW, you know, he was he was happy with it. You know, I'm like, okay good, he's happy, we're happy. You know, but yeah, it was it was a def- definitely a weird a weird match I feel like for a lot of the fans.
2: Well one thing I really liked was the placement, first ever pay per view. You guys are going against the Dynasty. You guys are like modern, just classic old school style baby faces, real easy to get behind. And then the Dynasty just absolute shit heels, nothing <laughs> really about them, yeah. and so it's just great, it kind of reminds me of um the old school Von Eric Freebirds, and I remember your dad saying this isn't uh, Texas versus Georgia, this is decency versus filth, and that's kind of what I thought yeah. with you guys versus the dynasty, and I think it says a lot, <laughs> I believed in you guys to put you on the very first match or the very first pay-per-view, and you get the straps, what was that all like?
0: Oh man, that, that was like a milestone in our careers. You know, I mean, as soon as we we started talking, yeah, and it was in Chicago, a place that you know we've always dreamed about wrestling in. You know, but uh, but before that, I remember going and just being like, or when we first, MLW first reached out to us, we were thinking, you know, one day what a dream it would be to actually get the tag straps. You know, and it and it you know came way sooner than we thought, and we were just way sooner. Yeah, you know we felt a little you know unprepared or whatever, but. But I just remember the feeling of just total accomplishment and just being so. That was one of the high points of our career, definitely. And, and when, when uh, being in Chicago and not knowing if people were going to know our name or know who we are, that that was you know that that having that question mark. But I just know that you know nobody you know, nobody can deny or, or you can't get behind a guy that did all that he has. And so when we got in there and to hear the Chicago fans behind us, it was just like. We looked at each other, and it was this confirmation: "All right, let's fight." It was, it was, it was just an amazing feeling, and yeah, to 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 win the belt after that was, you know, that whole night we were just sitting there, and we just looked at each other and start start laughing. We just couldn't believe it. Like, man, this is this is insane, you know. And and with, still, like, it's this, as long as this. Uh, I know we're in this quarantine and there's COVID nineteen stuff's going on right now, and uh, but the the longer we're in quarantine, I'm I'm. We haven't got a chance to defend our titles in a while, but it's going to be, uh, I'm afraid we're going to be the longest reigning tag team champions uh, without
2: having to defend our titles. I mean, I'm glad you guys mentioned Chicago too, because I've never been there, but I will say as an old school wrestling fan, that is an arena whenever WCW or even WWE or ECW went through. I'm like, man, that is just a wild, raucous crowd. They love their wrestling out there. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, they really—they they just appreciate the, the the art of wrestling,
0: and you know, it's—it was—it was—it was just so so awesome. And I can't say I can't say enough about Court Bauer. He really, to us, you know, we feel like he's like the modern day Paul Heyman. You, you know, he, ECW was full of you know misfits. They had a, a, just problem childs, you know, the men in the locker room, and that's kind of what you have at MLW. Guys that have been you know kicked out of the locker room for fighting. It's just you know, it, it's. It's, it's uh, you know it's, it's it's weird how you we, we they, it was you put it all together and you got this like uh, this family and and, and you know and, and Court Court Bowers you know is, is definitely just a great leader a great guy to get behind and he, he he gives us before before most of the shows he'll give us a speech and just pump all of us up and we're ready to we'll run to a brick wall for this guy you know and and, and so it, it definitely gets everybody ready to go after right, right before the show.
2: Now, one more question about MLW, Dallas, Texas, uh, intimidation games. What was that like coming back home? I mean, you definitely seemed like you got so, quite the response.
0: For, well, for us, that 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 was that meant so much to us because you know it, it was about um, about seven years ago. We were uh, where, you know we, we were being we we're young boys in Japan and 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 doing the Japan thing, and then uh, we we came to the uh, to mainland. It was one of our one of our first shows in Texas, and. And we were in this little country town in the middle of nowhere. It was Burleson, Texas, uh, or right like north of Burleson. And it was just a small country town. And uh, they had a sign for our main event tonight, the Von Erickson. And we were sitting there looking at that sign. And like, man, these people are coming to see us for the main event of this town tonight. And it wasn't a huge crowd, but that right there changed a lot of things for us. And it made us, you know, like, it was, you know, maybe there's someone else behind all this. And it's it's not just us. And, and, and that was really... That was this really heavy moment for for both of us being the main event. And so for MLW to go to Dallas, it was you know it was our first time in Dallas and 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 to, to be Von Erics and see that MLW believes in us believes believes in us enough to do a show in Dallas was just it was you know it was unreal. Yeah, and you and and you, and you talk about pressure. You know the, the the greatest amount of pressure is not from people say oh you you know you're, you can't accomplish this or you'll never never be able to do that. It's when people. Believe in you, you know, and, and especially you're going back to Dallas, you know, and they put you in, you know, a main event kind of style match, and you're you're like, that, that is that is the greatest amount of pressure to us, you know. So, as far as our career in MLW, that was our our biggest uh, feat. I, 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 I it's easier it's easier to have the mindset to want to prove people wrong, but when people believe in you and, and you want to prove them right, that 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 can be a lot of pressure too, and, and so. That Dallas, that Dallas show was—you know—everybody was pulling for us, and it, and you know it was it was definitely a, hev- a heavy night for both of us. But when that bell rang, it just—it was—I it, don't know—I know as know it's, it's cheesy as it sounds, I really felt like all my uncles, my grandfather, everybody was watching it, and it, it, it was—it it just made me so proud to be a Von Eric.
2: You guys seem like you uh, like a lot of performers feed off the crowd. Have you seen any of these uh, empty arena matches? And how challenging, if you haven't been in one, do you imagine it is to work without fans?
0: Well, we worked some indie shows that were, that, that, okay. that were they're almost like that. Yeah. They're borderline. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> borderline. <laughs> you know, but uh, definitely the crowd helps so much. And, and um, you know, I think there's definitely pros and cons from it. Some guys. Um, just from what I've seen, it will still act like there's a crowd there when they fire up and things like that. But you know, if there's not a crowd there, I think that we we as all all of us as wrestling fans can really appreciate the art of wrestling. And uh, you know, it, it, I, I, I don't think there needs to be as much showboating or anything. I think it's more you know this is just a, a fight you know a a, a, and, and a classic wrestling match. And so I I, I I've I've enjoyed watching it just because you know it's 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 just the it's the it's it's unique it's different it's a, it's just a classic art of wrestling but the crowd it definitely has a major factor in it for I'd say for everybody because it's it's you know if you if you have a new move you want to try or something you, or you just take that chance and you scream and give that give a lariat and the crowds behind you it really is it, it's just, it makes you it makes you want to do more and, and you know, want to give the people more and I, I definitely i I couldn't appreciate the the fans, MLW, and just uh, our fans, of uh, B Nation, that that the support they give us. It really is. It's just, it's just uh, that having people believe in you makes you, you want to prove them right. Everybody.
2: What are you guys up to right now during this quarantine? Anything going on? Are you working on anything or?
0: So we've been we've been farming. We've been we've been on the the Varner ranch. Uh, we it's, it's about thirty seven acres, and it, it, there's. We're, we're, we're all spread out It's like a, a compound and so we get to be in quarantine all together so so th- that's been kind of nice and we got a we got a waterfall that um, we go to as a family we'll jump in and spend time together and it's definitely been you know my nieces and nephews are growing up and they've been going to school and so it's it, it I'm, it's kind of like time standing still for a little bit I get to I get to rekindle relationships with my nep- nephews and nieces I just had a son and I'm getting to spend all this time with them so I really am nothing but grateful and it really it's been one of the best things that's happened for our family. My heart goes out to everybody that's you know, lost family members and, and that are taking this hard. And, and it's, it's definitely not, it's definitely a serious, it definitely is a serious, serious matter. But the, as far as the quarantine goes, what we really, we've been we're trying to make the most of it. And, you know, but we do miss wrestling. I can't wait to get back in that ring. I, it's, it's all I think about, all I dream about absolutely
2: man and i mean i can i can relate you know like we got it pretty rough over here but i'm in a pretty good area but i'm still working business is good and podcast is going great so i mean you can take some negatives and you can turn them into positives yeah times you know see
0: that's all and it, it, it's rare to talk to a guy like you that, that has a good perspective that that, that really is that's a, that's refreshing for us to hear it, it that, that's so key man. That, that, that is that is key and then, you know if you're happy you're not working a day in your life you know and, and that that's uh, that's that's really how it is i mean you I mean, we, we wasted a lot of our career uh, dreading and being nervous and scared before before matches not being able to eat the night before and you know it, wasting those days that we could have sat there and enjoyed it and, and so now so now we you know for the past couple of years we really have just take it moment by, by, by uh, moment by moment hold each other accountable about staying positive and being grateful that, you know, this is this is the door God opened, not us. And so we we really are. We we try to just constantly keep each other up and encourage. And you know, we have meet and greets, that you know these people paid to come see us. They drove four or five, flew five hours to come see us sometimes. And so you know, we had a match in Israel. People flew from Ireland. Uh, someone from Texas came. It was just like it was unreal. The, 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 the you know the the globe. People traveled the globe to come see us and. It's just—it's just one big—it's one big blessing. This whole thing for us—it's been just nothing but fun.
2: I'm sure it can be very overwhelming at times too. I imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, it, it can. Sometimes you just gotta sit back and you know just look at all this, and it's you know because you know we're we're human, so we're day by day, and circumstances can shake, can shake us and. And it'd be scary and stuff. But if you if you look at your life like a big highlight video, you know it, it's you, you see all you see all the good and you know um, I really am happy. My, my dad, my dad definitely had a had a nuts life and you know, losing his brothers. I, I only have one, but the the one brother that I have, we're, we're you know we're extremely close. We're, we're you know we 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 know the other one's gonna stay before we say it. We know, and my dad had that with you know. Five, five, other men. Five other men were just like him. Now my dad, you know, he kind of sticks out. He's different, but he had five other guys that were just like him. And to lose that, it must have been a really heavy burden to, to bear. And so my, and so being able to wrestle and come home and have these road stories and my dad relate, it's like he has his brothers back. And so we've gotten even closer as a family through all of this, you know. And it's especially in Japan. Coming back from Japan, and you know, my dad, my dad you know, he said that we left as boys and we came back as men and it really, it really was
3: like that. We were like, we were like brother lions. It was just, just us versus the world. That's what it felt
0: like when we were in Japan. Everybody wanted to test you. Everybody wanted to see what you're made of and so we just had to, we had to fight our way out but man, we used to do, we would, we do it all over again. Morifuji, uh, Morishima, Ogawa-san, Kobashi-san, all these men sat there and uh, Goshizaki, Kataro, Aoki, you know, all these guys, they taught us so much and, and you know, they taught us the, the, the hard way and, and now I'm nothing but grateful. Before
2: we wrap up, are there any goals you want to get out there for 2020 and uh, anything you want to promote? Uh,
0: also, well, we, we, we have Twitter. We both have Twitter. I'm Marshall Von Eric. Um, on Twitter, and then Ross von Eric on Twitter, and we share on Instagram, uh, Ram von Eric, and that's Ross and Marshall. That's what it stands for. But uh, you know, as far as the goals go, we're 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 just continuing to you know to just go through the doors that open. I know I keep saying that, but that that's really that's really what what uh, taking it by moment, taking life lightly. But you know, uh, I don't know. I I still want to be an astronaut. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But that's definitely a goal. Wow, man, I,
2: I I love to hear that. That's awesome, man. That, yeah, outside the box, yeah awesome guys thank you so much this was a real treat for me i do this with two other buddies we're all kind of like we're quarantined now a little bit so we're sending stuff in and uh they are definitely jealous that i got this interview so uh oh man man we,
0: we really do appreciate it and it really was refreshing to, to hear your perspective on this To uh, just just you know just being being positive during this time you know it's scary for a lot of people but to, to you know, to have a joyful conversation in a time like this yeah. is refreshing. I really appreciate that, man.
2: No, absolutely, and yeah, for me personally, like I mean, like. I always have like a. I always worked out, but I had a bit of a sweet tooth. And in this time, I've uh, cut out the sweets. I've up my. I've, I'm a uh, a, I, like, I'm home. I'm like, why don't I make some positive changes while I'm here? You know, so it's just. Yeah, like, yeah. Good, good job.
3: That's the way to be, man. I, I, I wish I could say the same, I, but
0: my sweet tooth has kicked in, and my gym's closed. And <laughs> so it. I, it's I been a bit it. of a. It's been. A, it's been a bit of a battle, but that's still refreshing for me to
2: hear. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I, have a great night thank you so much oh it's night over here but thank you so much for uh doing this and maybe we'll get to do this again down
3: the road man hey brother hey man it was great talking to you appreciate you bro god bless god bless have a good night